Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church, Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, everybody? How are y'all? Yeah! Hey, we are good. We are good. Man, welcome to YA. If you're new, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it. The people here are really cool, to be honest. They're pretty cool, right? Y'all are pretty cool? Yeah, let's wake up. Let's give a big clap. I want to wake up. I want to I wanna feel some, ah, you know, some fire. Well, hey, man, I'm so glad to be able to speak to you. But before I get into my message today, I have a funny story for y'all. And not too funny for Miss Emma over here, but funny for me, okay? Uh, <laughs> I have this friend named Ben. If some of y'all know Ben, some of y'all don't. And he is like the prankster of all pranksters, okay? Prank's kind of a weird, childish joke, I know. But we're growing up now. That was BC before Christ. And anyways... Me and Ben would love to prank at camps, right? So uh, two years ago, we had this, the best idea ever to be leaders of winter retreat. How many of y'all know what winter retreat is? Some of y'all? Okay, some of y'all don't. Winter retreat's where you go for a few days to go out to a camp, experience God. Super cool, super fun. But one night, me and Ben decided that, you know, we weren't going to prank. We we're going to be mature. We're leaders. We can't be doing this all our life, right? We've got to grow up at some point, some point, right? And so... We decided to go to the J-Hires, and all it took was one J-Hire. He came up to us. He's like, can we go prank? We're like, yes. So we went. And so I took, I took a bunch of them with us, and we ran out there, and um, I had this air horn. And we decided that we're going to go to the girls' dorm. Sorry, girls. They were separated. We couldn't prank our own guys. We're not, we're not, we're not like that, right? So we went to the girls' dorm, and here I am running up. And I go, bah, 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 you know, real loud, and I start running off, right? Me and the little J-Hires chopping. <laughs> He's beating me. I don't know why. But he's running fast, right? Oh, here's our little feet slapping the ground. Right? It's so funny. And so they're running to our dorm. And we get in our dorm and we turn off the lights and we're pretending we're going to sleep, right? We're like laying down and we're trying to pretend that no one's there and we're trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, my phone dings. And I look at my phone and lo and behold, it's Miss Emma and she texts me, Guys, I am trying to sleep. Please don't do that. Please stop waking me up. I am so tired. And she's angry. And if you know Emma, she needs her sleep, right? Don't wake her up, right? You agree, Pastor G? 100%. She needs her sleep, right? So she's mad. Guys, the heathen in me. I lied to her. I said, Emma, I have no idea what you're talking about, bro. Uh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, it happened to us, too. That's why I'm awake at 2.30 in the morning. That's why I'm texting you at 2.30 in the morning. It actually happened to us. Crazy story is some kid came with the air horn, knocked on north, and I guess went to yours, and it might be the other camp. So, so I was like, it was the other camp. And she goes, please, guys, okay, well, let's figure it out. Make sure all your kids are in the dorm, you know, trying to be a good, you know, coworker she is. And I was like, okay, got it, right? And I was like, hey, Ben. Ben's my, my sidekick. And I'm like, hey, you got the video? And he's like, yeah, bro, I got the video, of course. And I was like, cool, send it to the group chat of me and my friends and all that stuff. And it was a group chat with me and Ben and Josh and a few other friends. And I was like, send the video in that group chat, right? Boys, when I mean my heart dropped. So Emma texted me one more time. She said, are your kids in the dorm? I said, obviously, Emma. What am I, a bad leader? And so she texts me, and she's like, okay, make sure it wasn't you. And I said, obviously, it's not us, right? And I sent it. Not even two seconds later, all I hear is ding, and I look, and there it is, right below my text, the video of me pranking Emma. And I just lied to her. So keep this in mind. I had a video for you. This is what Emma saw whenever I said, nah, Emma, it wasn't me, obviously, right? This is what she saw. Check it out. So Emma sees me all goofy like, ah, you know, 
so happy, clear as day, 4K. And I'm like, man, what are you doing, Ben? You know, you made me mad, bro. Like, you just, I was like, and Ben's like, oh, bro, I'm so sorry, dude. I'll never do that again. I was so sorry. I'm like, Ben, grab the kids. We're going to bed, right? So mad. But the moral of the story is it completely backfired. Everybody say backfired. backfired. It completely backfired. And the reason why I bring this up is because we're talking about unforgiveness. And unforgiveness will always backfire. People think, oh, if I don't forgive so-and-so, I'm going to hurt them in the long run. They're going to miss having me, right? But at the end of the day, in reality, it kills us. And so I'm going to show you a story in the Bible about an unforgiving servant found in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And we'll learn three things about forgiveness from this passage, okay? But before we get into that, let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this amazing day, this amazing opportunity, Father. I pray that our, our soil soften and receive your word. And Father... I pray that we get to apply it easier in our week as this message goes on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! I'm out of breath for telling that story. I feel like I was running again. Anyways, so we're going to start in verse 21. It says, then Peter, oh wait, you got the underlined part. I need you to get the underlined part so I'm not like, and then, you know, all awkward. So y'all get the underlined part. 20, verse 21, it says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. When we think about forgiving people, right, we usually think two things. Oh, man, I, I think about what they did. I can never forgive them for what they did, right? They backstabbed me or whatever. Or we think about how many times they've done that thing to us, right? How many of y'all friends gossiped about y'all behind y'all's back? I had a few, right? A few, a few of us. But this usually happens with our friends, and they hurt us multiple times, and we go back. Sometimes we forgive. Sometimes we don't. But let's talk about something more serious. What about parents, right? Parents can hurt you. Parents can do something in your life or in your family, and it can cause a separation. It can cause a lot of bitterness. And sometimes you look at that, and you're like, man, I can never forgive that, right? Whatever it may be, we try to keep count of everything, right? And it hurts us. And this is Jesus' exact point. He says forgive 70 times 7. He's, and that's, that's 490, right, I think, 490. Yeah, it's 490. And he's not just saying, Oh, I'm going to forgive you till you hit 490. Oh, guys, it's your 490th time. We're not friends anymore, right? No. You would forget at like 30-something, I hope, right? But that is the whole point. And my first point of this message is forgiveness isn't about keeping score, but it's about losing count. Good, right? Isn't it crazy that Jesus tells us to do the exact opposite of what our hearts do? In fact, like, we don't ever lose count. I think we, we keep it more than anything. My motto used to be three strikes and you're out. Kind of like baseball, right? Three strikes, you're out. But my friendships, if you hurt me three times, man, I wasn't going to be friends with you. I wasn't going to be homies with you. You know, you hurt me. And if you were close to three, you were on the edge. You're one of those acquaintances. What's up, bro? You know, dab me up. I would never tell you about anything of my personal life because you were close, right? And maybe you're like me. But do we ever think about how many times God forgave us, right? Let me ask you a question. What if God puts you on a three-strike policy? Crickets, right? Crickets. What if, what if God puts you on a three-strike policy? For me, I don't even think I would last a week. I probably wouldn't even last a day, right? I probably wouldn't. And, and sometimes, if God puts you on a three-strike three policy, you wouldn't last, right? But he forgave us a lot more than we could ever, ever imagine. So, keeping count in a relationship or friendship is very tiring, actually. And it ends up backfiring. And I'll explain this. It's kind of like this, right? In baseball, how many of y'all play baseball for? Softball, two few of y'all, okay? Y'all know what a pitch count is? Yeah, yeah, okay. A pitch count is where uh, if someone's not playing the game in college, I didn't play every game, you know, it's kind of trash, whatever. Uh, and I sat back and I had to keep the pitch count. My coach is like, hey, bro, here's a clicker, here's a book, keep pitch count. I was like, oh, 
All right, whatever. So I'm keeping pitches, and basically it's where the, the pitcher throws a pitch. Let's say it's a fastball. I hit click, and it shows a little number one, pitch count. And then I write a certain amount of pitch on the board, and that was my whole day for three hours, right? It's annoying. But to be honest, sometimes I would foc I'd be so focused on keeping count that I would lose focus in the actual game, right? And sometimes I feel like we do that in life so, so much. So many people are so focused on keeping count that you're missing out on the rest of life, and there are so many things to look forward to instead of keeping count. When you keep counting and focus on all the wrong, you are limiting yourself to seeing all the goodness that God's putting around you. And when we do that, you start focusing on all the wrong, all the bad, and you're like, God, where are you at? Or God, how can I forgive? Whenever you're focusing on wrong, you just squeeze the enjoyable life that God's calling you out to. Now, I know some of you have so much in store for you. God has so much in store for you, and forgiveness is only ever for your good. And I know God wants some people in here to stop keeping count and start finally living your life. Amen? Now, I know some of you had had some bad and terrible stuff happen to you. Trust me. I know. And forgiving isn't so easy, and my heart goes out to you, and you're probably wondering, Corey, how could I ever forgive someone for what they did to me? How could I ever forgive this sin? How could I look past that? Well, ironically, the scripture shows us how to get past that, but it might not be what you expect, right? So we're going to read on a story that Jesus tells and talking about how to lose count and instead of keeping score, right? It says in verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decides to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had bor borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged Please, be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. The guy didn't think about how much he owed the king. Instead, he, asked, he, he, he thought about how much other people owed him, right? And I'm going to ask you a question. Do you ever think about how much someone has hurt you or how much, how much someone has forgave you, right? Some people are in here thinking, yeah, I, I think about all the wrong. I think about all the hurt. And that's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong to think about how much you've been hurt. But what I will say is never let so, what someone did to you have a greater focus than what God did for you. And I'll say that again. Never let what someone did to you have a greater focus than what God did for you. And that brings me to my second point. Forgiveness happens when you see your sin correctly. Everybody say correctly. Some of our problem is that we don't realize how much we sinned against God, right? The man who owed the king was in so much debt, and so much debt that if he worked his entire life, he still wouldn't be able to pay it off. I'm going to give you a little fun fact. The average worker back then, right, in B.C. or whatever, in Jesus' times, they made a penny a day. A penny. How, imagine going to work for eight hours. <laughs> no shade to anybody who works at fast food, but you're like filling up cups, flipping cheeseburgers, and here you go. Bing, here's a quarter. Or I mean a penny, a penny, right? And you're like, what, a penny? But think about that. The average worker made a penny a day, and his debt was in the millions, millions. He could work probably two life cycles and still wouldn't make that much money. And that is crazy. But when we think about that, he didn't deserve the forgiveness. It was truly an act of love and mercy on behalf of the king, and we didn't see it clearly. He didn't see it correctly at all. And I'll prove it. In verse 26, it says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. He thought he could pay it back. How prideful, right? Am I right? How prideful to think, man, 
I could pay all this back, God. I can, I can, the king, I can work all this all my life, and I would make a, what's that? I don't know, 315 pennies. I don't know, a year, right? 350 pennies a year. I'd work it back to the millions. No. No, he wouldn't. We don't forgive because we don't realize how much we owe God, right? We think about all the reasons why we shouldn't forgive. We think about all the reasons why we should stay back. We think about all the reasons why we should be mad. But instead, we should focus on how much God forgave us. Amen? When we see our sin correctly, we realize how much we don't deserve the gift that God gave us, which is forgiveness. But often people who don't forgive others think, uh, they're not that big of sinners, right? We think we are pretty good people and that we can earn God's grace. But here, I'm going to tell you a little dangerous fact. If you think you can earn God's grace, you'll never experience God's grace. And you won't be able to extend God's grace. Just like this guy. And something bad happens when that's your mindset. And I'll show you in verse 28. It says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. In verse 29, it says, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it all, he pleaded. But his creditor couldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put, in a prison, put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. He couldn't forgive thousands of dollars, and this is crazy. He couldn't forgive thousands of dollars when he was forgiven millions of dollars. Millions. When you don't see your sin correctly, it'll cause you to do the same thing. I'm not saying a thousand dollars is a lot. Man, if someone walked, if Mr. Beast walked in right now and was like, hey, Corey, a thousand bucks, I'd be like, let's go, you know, I'd be so happy. I'm not saying a thousand is a lot. And what people have done to you is really a lot. Yes. Yes, he had all the legal rights to throw him into prison, but guess what? He did not have the moral rights to. Some people can hurt you, man. Some people can cause some pain. And you might have some real rights to be mad at people, but we do not have the moral right if we really believe that we were forgiven. We have a lot of debt with God. He, he, he spared us for sure, and he took the ultimate punishment on the cross, and we borrow his breath every single day. And as Christians, when we see how sinful we really are and we understand we don't deserve this gift, man, we are so joyful from the bottom of my heart. And you want to spare, you want to share that, and it should be easier to forgive. When we read the next verse, we see what unforgiveness causes. And maybe you're in here, you're like, Corey, you know, I never forgive, man. I, I don't think it's that important. Well, I'm going to show you what unforgiveness causes. In verse 31, it says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man. And had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. In verse 33, shouldn't you have mercy in, uh, on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. In verse 35, this is what Jesus says. And he says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The man was thrown into prison, and he spent the rest of his life there. And this brings me to my last point. Unforgiveness keeps you confined. The man was put into a prison. Now, this is what unforgiveness will do to you. Yes, one day for eternity, but even now, you might not be in a prison where there's concrete walls and there's a metal bar and you look to your right and there's a guy with like one tooth, like, you know, give me your lunch, boy. It might not be like that. <laughs> it might not be like that, but you will definitely be a prison in your spirit. 
When we carry unforgiveness, we can find what God will do to our life, man. We can find to our ultimate healing. We can find to God's grace. We can find to God's peace. We, forgot, we can find to God's love and mercy and all kinds of stuff. Whenever you're unforgiving, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. That's why I told you in the story at the beginning, it always backfires. Unforgiveness will always backfire. And maybe you're in here and someone really, really did hurt you in your life. And God just saying, man, forgive them. It might be an ex. It might be a family member. It might be a parent. Forgive them. Not because they deserve it at all, but because you didn't deserve it either. See, it's freeing. It's freeing. No one wants to live a confined life. I don't want to live a confined life, and that's not what we're called to do. But check this out. A lot of Christians have received forgiveness, yes, but not all of them have, have experienced it in their hearts. And I, want to, I pray that you get to experience forgiveness and learn what forgiveness is because of what God did for you. He forgave us of all of our sins, and man, he was confined to a cross just so that we could walk freely of ours. Forgive not because you have to, but forgive because of what God did for you. And before I close out, I have a personal story. Uh, man, I, I couldn't, I'm already starting to cry. I couldn't get through this without crying, and I'm, I'm sorry if I do, so don't make fun of me or anything like that. Um, but uh, a few months ago, golly, I was, uh, my cousin was uh, murdered, and um, he, was, he was my best friend. He wasn't just a cousin, you know, blood couldn't get us any closer. And, uh, man, he was, I grew up with him from a baby, and, and, this, and he was murdered. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, an accident. It wasn't like a, a, ter- a terrible thing. It was on purpose, and it was an act of violence. It was terrible. And I was heartbroken, and I was angry, and I was sad, and I was upset, and I was lost, and I didn't know where to go. Uh, but God one day just spoke to me, and he was like, how could, how, you know, forgive him? And I was like, man, how could I forgive someone who ever took, someone who took my best friend's life, right? And I was sitting there, and I was like, there's no way I could. But as I went on and I tried to heal, man, I did his funeral. I went to his family. I did all, it's been months, and I'm sitting here talking to Maddie, and I'm like, Maddie, I don't know what's going on, man. I, I, I can't heal. I can't grow. I can't get better. I can't, I can't function. I don't know what's going on. It's been months, and I'm supposed to be this guy that, you know, carries out what, what God's supposed to do in my life and all this stuff, and I'm sitting here just so confused, and I'm like, God, what do I have to do, man, because I'm stuck, and I felt confined. I felt trapped, and I just remember... One day I was reading this, this, this parable and it clicked. And all of a sudden I just felt God talk to me, man. He was like, Corey, you got to learn how to forgive one day, man. Even though it might, might, not, might not be now, it might not be later. But right then and there I understood the importance of forgiveness and what it did in my life. And thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but a few days later, I, it was stuck to me, right? When something, when, you know how that feeling when God places something in your heart, you're like, I can't run from it. It's hard. I can't do it. And every night and every morning I'd wake up and, and God was just saying, forgive, forgive. And all my quiet times and everything, and it was just terrible. Not terrible, but terrible for me. I was just going through it. And, uh, <laughs> but one day I started praying and I said, God, I might not be able to do it today, but can you please continue to soften my heart to forgiveness? Can you please continue to steward me and, and show me what forgiveness looks like? Because I can say I forgive the man right now, but I can never go give him a hug and say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. But on the fourth day, after four, four days of praying hard, I just remember sitting there one day and I was pulling my eyes out and then I felt whole because I said those words, man, God, I forgive him. And I felt free and I felt whole and I felt joyful. And not only that, it, it, made, me, it made me grieve better. I could finally take the next step of grieving. There's more stages of grieving and I was still on step three or whatever you could say, level three. 
and I was still grieving, and I was walking it out, and I was like, man, forgiveness finally opened the door, because why? Forgiveness is possible, one, but forgiveness is necessary to your healing. And I just remember, man, whatever it may be, God's telling you forgive it. It, it might be something so small as, as uh, your friends arguing. You know, you had to argue with your friend or you had to argue with your parent and you are not on good terms and you haven't talked in days. It could be something like that. That might be big to you, but man, it could be something so drastic like murder and you could forgive anybody in between. Whatever it may be that you're trying to fight, man, forgive it because it, it, it unlocks freedom from everything and, and freedom to your healing and freedom to whatever is going on. So I pray that you can forgive and that you learn how to forgive. So I'm going to do a recap. Number one, forgiveness isn't about keeping score but losing count. Number two, forgiveness happens when you see your sin correctly. And number three, unforgiveness keeps you confined. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.